who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! Also, um, did you see that Michael Ann, Michael Ann Black, are you familiar with him? Mm. I saw that, got into uh, it with Talia. our former guest, former Talia, guest Talia. Yeah, yeah Laven, chick in Kiev on Twitter, basically got, got him a big to- back and forth and got him to fucking pivot completely on his she position. She did the impossible. She, she talked a white man into taking back his words and reversing his position and admitting that he was yeah. wrong. Yeah. There's gotta be some type of trophy or cash I mean, prize for this. I think the Nobel committee has been alerted. <laughs> yeah, right. If they, get, if they got my emails. I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Diking out! Hi and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast with enough gay energy to fuel a roller derby league. I'm Carolyn Bergier. <laughs> and I'm Sarah York. And today we'll be diking out with writer Gina Cadlick about Disney. Yay! <laughs> You can't say Disney without following up with, yay. Yay. (laughs) Uh, Gina's writing can be seen all over the internets, but particularly uh, Nylon, Narratively, The Rumpus, and Autostraddle. Oh, yeah. All my Uh, straight friends are like, what? Right? (laughs) (laughs) What's that? Auto, I know. When I tell people about it. Car and Driver magazine? Is that some offshoot of that? That, That's literally what people assume when I tell a straight person about Autostraddle. I was late to the Autostraddle game. I was an After Ellen girl for a while. Mm, Me too. um, A a younger, hipper lesbian was like, oh, you don't read the Autostraddle recaps? I'm like, no, I'm still on After Ellen. What's going on? Okay. Anyway, (laughs) she's also the founder of Blue Stockings Boutique, the first ever lingerie boutique geared towards the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah. That's pretty rad. Thanks, Gina. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about something not fun first. Oh, great. Uh, Even though we're (laughs) releasing this a week after recording, but... Fucking yeah. Louis C.K. Uh, just his ruined fucking my... pop up at a comedy club. You know, that was coming. That we knew that was coming. 
He can't stay out of that environment for very long. I mean, I knew he would come back, but the the way he did it was mm-hmm. just like the worst way possible. Just yeah. un- unannounced, showing up on a stage, not addressing what happened at all, and pretending like, what's the big deal? Yeah. That, like nothing. Sort of the onus of, or not the, it's, it's, it's very on brand for like a middle-aged white man. Yeah. And- <laughs> no one invited me, but here I am, and here's what I have to say. The the amount of like grief that that caused for all the female comics I know. Oh yeah, like online, like people were like, they're like, why, why even bother trying? Mm-hmm. Like, why if if this is going to be the standard that's set? And because like the most disheartening thing about it, like, okay, we know that Louis is like a narcissistic asshole, whatever, mm-hmm. but all the people online defending him. And being like, oh, is he never supposed to do anything ever again? And it's yeah. like, I don't know. He has like millions of dollars. He's fine. Like, why doesn't he start his own comedy club? And then people can self-select whether or not they want to work with him. Right. And have that be part of their thing. Or he can start his own production company and make his own shows or whatever. Yeah. And fund it himself. And people can choose whether or not they want to work with him. Don't drop him into, you know, the, the comedy it's a workplace hazard. It's yeah, like, it really you is. know, you're making it so uncomfortable. And, and, but then, you know, all the people who have been passed at the cellar are like, Oh, you know, it's okay. Like yeah. I don't feel, um, threatened by him or like unsafe, but it's like, but that, that's not what this is about. Right. You know? Right. And he has, I don't, has he ever actually acknowledged what happened? Like and apologized for it or he didn't what, apologize. Did it, he acknowledged else? it. And then everybody was like, this is how you write an apology. I'm like, what? It doesn't even have the word sorry in yeah. it. <laughs> you got, you guys like love Louis CK so much. Yeah. You can't even like see that it was a non-apology that yeah. all he mm-hmm. did was talk about how admired and powerful he was. Right. Like six different times in it. Never once said, I'm sorry. And and just kind of went away. Said he was going to go away and listen for a while. And he did not do listen a good to his job own comedy albums for a while. Yeah, I think that's what <laughs> I'm going to go away and listen to some old Lenny Bruce material and then come back and. Yeah, I think he listened to just some kiss asses that were like, "Fuck those people." Yeah, he you listened know? to his friends Me too for a went while. Too far and blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. He also didn't like acknowledge it as part of his set at all. Yeah, right. which given that he's built a career out of being so self-deprecating and yeah. out of using his own personal life out of, like as his material, the fact that he got on stage and then proceeded to just totally blow by it, like yeah. that yeah. in no way and is an Did you see that it's on Twitter that, Yeah, no, not at all. It's a, and we'll never get that from him. Like I don't think even even now I I highly but I also have to wonder how much Someone like Louis C.K., who is pretty is disconnected entirely from social media, as far as I know, he doesn't have a Twitter handle or a yeah anything. Um, how much control they have over the feedback they get about the things that they do? Like, he just doesn't have to read anything if he doesn't want to. He doesn't have to know any of this shit. No one's text messaging him, c- critiquing him. You know what I mean? Like, a part of Charla has a fucking New York Times op-ed about this now. Yeah, but. He's not going to read go that. Parna. Yeah, she's amazing. Awesome. Uh, my favorite response, though, to to everything that happened with Louis was this comedian Kelsey Kane, and this does not have it as many views as it deserves right now. Made a parody video um, of the Louis show opening, and it's called "Jerking Off," and <sighs> she just—it's a show called uh, "Jerking Off," starring um, Pina CK. And it's her in this ridiculously bad, um, like, balding redhead wig. She, like, colors a goatee in with, like, orange marker. 
and has a fake penis sticking out of her pants that she's just like furiously <laughs> jerking off. <laughs> Recreating the whole Louis oh. intro goes to the pizza place. It's just like jerking oh off hard while God. eating pizza. It is. Where can we find that? Hilarious. What's tw- do you have it or like her Twitter handle? You can find it on on YouTube um, okay. if you just look up "jerking off Louis parody." Or okay, um, yeah. Be very careful about that search. Don't just type "jerking off." Yeah, don't type "jerking off" into YouTube. It works. <laughs> Not her, safe for work. Yeah. Yeah. Our name's uh, Kelsey Kane. Kelsey with a K. Okay. Kane with a C. We've given you enough information, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Go find it. Yeah. Do your best, Nancy Drew, and yeah. find this we video know you guys and will watch it. Fact checkers, anyway, because we get your emails. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh I love those emails I know they're great please keep them coming they give me so much life I'm yeah. obsessed with our listener emails oh this week was particularly wonderful <laughs> and there there was one uh, listener who, who said that listening to the podcast um, helped her realize like how gay she was broke up with her yeah. boyfriend of five years Excellent. and is quote living her best lesbian life and she did that, figured it all out in time for oh pride. My. So yes. she had a really good pride and she's just killing it. I collect these stories it. about breaking up with boyfriends like infinity stones. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we do. <laughs> Once we get five of them, it's complete. Yeah. Oh man. I you know, I thought we would advance the gay agenda, but I had no idea just like how just how much how, how many points we're, we're oh, racking yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> they're gonna upgrade our membership real yeah. soon. <laughs> Y'all are doing gonna, the Lord's work. Yeah. Right? That's Our how lesbian card is going to be one of those like titanium ones that clinks when you drop it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll get us to the front of the line at yeah. Cubbyhole. Yeah. The front of the bar. For once. It'll just get me in on a Saturday. A, a fast pass to Tuesday margaritas. Yeah. It's, it's just, that's all it is. It's just the Tuesday margarita deal every single day. Yeah. It's like a reserve parking spot. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get on that. I know one of our listeners has to work there. Yeah. If you build it, we will come. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, okay. On a more positive note, I do feel like we need to address Chillian Anderson and how oh she my God. pulled the lesbian okay. fire alarm this week. <laughs> Every lesbian I know she has been in us. some sort of like tizzy. <laughs> my Twitter has exclusively been Jillian Anderson tweets this week. Yeah. Apologies As it to should everyone. Be. Yeah. <laughs> I had to hold myself back from not just turning I mean, our Instagram into just reposting every picture of her in that fashion line. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, someone I, called it lesbian Draco Malfoy cosplay. <laughs> I mean, James Bond. Anyone? James yeah. They're casting right now. Yeah. Why isn't she the top consideration yeah like, she should be she is, i would watch that i would watch a hundred oh my James god Bond movies she's giving you like uh like for, i just can't i saw it and i like literally i just like you know that meme of the guy that just blinks that's what that was me at looking at my phone i was right like, what yeah it's really unbelievable and it was karina that brought it to my attention first i believe yeah yeah it was karina um, karina is really having a moment with this i do, think do y'all, y'all only get your pop culture news from karina yes <laughs> yes we do she's the youngest person That's why we have an intern. she's the youngest contact in my phone i actually and think it was caitlin i think it was caitlin fontana oh, really? who being uh oh yeah yeah 
I feel like I feel like that version of an Jillian Anderson fan. is right up Caitlin Fontana's alley in every way. Yeah. Well, then, and our our past guest uh, Megan from the Law episode, yes. she sent me a picture of Jillian Anderson in the I think like the early aughts where she was at a red carpet event and she has this um, black dress that cuts real <sighs> down low in the back and her thong is sticking up out of it as a fashion statement. Oh and my god! <laughs> One of my favorite bars has that exact picture, like literally. Really? Blown what is this up. bar? It's called. Mood ring. It's an astrology bar. Oh, in wait, wait. I've been there. I've done comedy there. How have I missed this? The, they, they have, oh my god, Car- not- Carolyn! They have it framed in the women's bathroom on the wall. It's like right above the toilet when you go in. Is there a woman's bathroom at Mood Ring? Yes. Or it, it might be a unisex bathroom. I don't uh, know. Okay, because it, I was like, last time I walked in, there was a guy at the urinal, but I was pretty oh, sure that was the only bathroom. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, it, it, it very well may be unisex. I forget. It's, New, it's New York. It's New York. I yeah. forget which ones are. I just go into the bathroom. I'm yeah. like, they're all for me. Like, yeah. yeah. You know, Shortest um, line. I, but, I may have missed it because I was just feeling like a little bit weird that there was a guy peeing at a urinal while I was in the stall. And oh, like, yeah. Oh, that makes sense. How, yeah. So he distracted you from this amazing framed photograph of Jillian Anderson Fuck with men. the thong. Yeah, <laughs> indeed, men are ruining everything for you. <laughs> like, they ruin even the smallest of pleasures. The smallest of pleasures. Well, I'll like, be back there. Like the yeah. So when you go back to Mood Ring, check yeah. out the framed photograph. Of I do like that, that bar. That's yeah. amazing. That truly spectacular um, Jillian Anderson dress. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. With yeah. Visi- like giving us visible thong, giving us this incredible like menswear inspired yeah. line. Like yeah. really, truly like these swooping coats, James Bond fashion for everyone. Draco, yeah. like grown up Draco Malfoy, whatever your aesthetic is, whatever gives you pleasure. Yeah. Like, yeah. I Julie should... Anderson pretty much has done all of it throughout her life. Like you can find a photo of her that satisfies like every woman who likes women yeah. thing. Oh yeah. She's mm-hmm. the best. I showed the picture to two of my straight coworkers and they were both like, oh my God, she's so hot. She's yeah. so hot. And they were- Two of your like, formerly straight coworkers. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, yeah, Jillian Anderson can get it. And they're like, man, old lesbians are so hot right now. Or like old queer woman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's by, but- um, uh, yeah. Also, I love how she's considered old. Old, <laughs> like, right? Older, older, yeah, older. older. But still, that's like the narrative. Like, oh yeah, like older women. Yeah, is she fifty? I don't think she's fifty, right? Well, you know, she might be. X fifty. X like twenty. Fifty. Fifty. She, she just had her birthday, August 9th. She is a Leo, and oh my she ninety. Leo yeah. energy. Leo energy, giving us that hot fire. Oh my goodness, Jillian Anderson, y'all. <laughs> oh my god. Wow. And she's awesome. fifty. She's apparently everyone's root now. She like, is. <laughs> Good Lord. There's a lot of women that are, I think are fully reconsidering their sexual orientation because that one photo of her in that coat with that short Draco Malfoy, I call it Targaryen hair. Mm. Any Game of Thrones fans will get it. I read that you studied women's political writing of the French Revolution. I did. I did. I'm a PhD dropout. <laughs> Me too. Shout out to all the other ex-academics. Yes. <laughs> I'm a PhD dropout, but I figured it out. Very fast. I was like, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. I did not Bye. figure it out very fast. Like being gay. I also <laughs> married a man before I figured out that I was gay. So like, you know, I just, I take a while, guys. Like, yeah, to right. actually it happens. Figure these things out. So, um, so yeah, I spent four years in a PhD program studying women's political writing of the French Revolution, which uh, seemed not relevant at the time, hence why I dropped out, and now seems astonishingly relevant to our <laughs> political climate. <laughs> so... Yeah. Yes. Uh, what anyway. I want to know is, in your professional opinion, Marie Antoinette Dyke. <laughs> I think professional opinion, Marie Antoinette um, 
bisexual. Bisexual, yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, I mean, that's as good as you could get back yeah. then. Yes. Well, I, I think in the sense that, well, a few things. Uh, in that it's, as you know, like a little anachronistic to apply labels given that people, um, like these labels that we have now, like were categorized like in, literally in the late 19th century. Yeah. Right? Like they come out of, um, I'm forgetting the guy's name now because I uh, am a few years removed from graduate school. Um, but like literally- but you brought your textbooks. No. <laughs> <laughs> I brought notes. I did. I, t- I 100% have notes on my, on my phone. Um, so it's a little, because basically like sexual orientations and whatnot, um, were, they, they weren't considered orientations. They were considered acts, right? Like sodomy was an mm. act that you were criminalized for, but it wasn't that you were gay or you were bi. It was that you were a man who had sex with men. Yeah. And it was, of course, men's sexuality, quote unquote, that was criminalized. Like yeah. women, <laughs> you know, there are no, like, I mean, this is, again, transphobic to say, but, like, the assumption then being, oh, there are no penises involved, so, like, yeah. who gives a fuck? Like, yeah. mm-hmm. women can be sharing beds together and, like, no one cares. Like, mm-hmm. it's really who can get each other pregnant. Like, yeah. that's that's the that's where we're concerned. Well, that's um, what, with the Bible verse about, like, not laying with another man as you would lay with a, a woman. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, cool, then I'm free as a lesbian. <laughs> totally good. This yeah. does not apply to me. Yeah. 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 So, um, so yeah, uh, sorry, that was a little bit of a tangent, but, yeah. uh, Marie Antoinette, a hundred percent, uh, I would, I would totally wager bisexual. Um, it is interesting though, because she did like what, what I assume like you're alluding to there is all of the propaganda used against her. Yeah. Um, in addition, like we're familiar now with all of the, oh, like let them eat cake. Like she got really criticized in the press for like all of the fashion and all the money that she spent and all of the excess and kind of the 1% type narratives that we're very familiar with now. Those were basically being levied against her then. But also simultaneous to that, there was a lot of propaganda and a lot of pamphlets against her uh, basically being like, she's a big dyke. And like, like porn, yeah. like with her and all of her ladies in waiting, um, like being distributed in the streets, and so that was, uh, you know, the idea that uh, using the word lesbian against a woman as an insult or representing her as a woman who enjoys having sex with other women is, like, but, that but also the, that she was kind of slutty with men too. That like yeah. they. Put all the charges yeah. against her because, yeah. you know, women in any position of power. Yeah. Um, not if to you, say that she was not without her, her fault, oh, obviously. Totally, but, yeah. But then, you know, she was like a teenager when mm-hmm. all of this is like thrust she, upon. The whole thing is baby. like fucked up. They and were then, babies and they weren't ready. Oh, my God. Of course yeah. they fucked it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were infants and her husband was in no way prepared to be king. Like, yeah. it was, oh, it was just a disaster waiting to happen. It was a perfect storm of a situation. Like, Yeah. I mean, if I was, was forced to marry someone that I had zero interest in being married to, but there was a lot of money, of course I would spend all my time spending all that money. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the whole reason you do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Create my little fairy tale yeah. gardens and have sheep dyed pink and yeah. Uh, yeah. This is part of why I really enjoyed the Sofia Coppola film, even though it's not necessarily like historically accurate. Who yeah, cares? who cares? It's pretty, and mm-hmm. I think that she it really is. captures the like the. Fair, like you said, like the fairy tale essence of it yeah. and the, how fantastical it is and just the amount of money that's floating around. Hey, like, have you been to Versailles? I haven't been. I've been to Paris. I haven't been to Versailles. Oh I my really want to go real, real bad. It's amazing. <sighs> of all yes. the European sites I've been to, Versailles <sighs> holds the most special place. In my it, it is crazy. It is mm. crazy mm-hmm. because you can really 
like transport yourself back in that time, especially if you go on one of the days that they're running the fountains and then they're like blasting like classical music and there's just so much uh, preserved there and all the statues and then there are parts that are like less crowded and you go into Marie Antoinette's gardens and you're like what is this other world I'm in it is so crazy um but the movie Farewell My Queen which I've talked about before it was a lot of queer baiting Mm -hmm. um I really went into it thinking there's gonna be a hot sex scene with Marie Antoinette (laughs) and it was only just like heavy flirtation and some touching that probably got yeah that's all we get sometimes I've never seen that. No, oh. I need to. So it, it's basically oh. about like the this love affair between her and one of her handmaids, um, and or ladies in waiting, whatever they call them, mm-hmm. and uh, that she like this lady was um, clearly in love with the, the queen, and the queen kind of knew it and really liked it, mm-hmm. but like kind of used that to you know, yeah. get her, her loyalty and she would do anything for her and like little touches here and there that probably... Oh, I went to college with a lot of women, women like that. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's what it was very <laughs> yeah. reminiscent of. But I, I was hoping <laughs> because it was like this, you know, fictionalized yeah. uh, story or historical fiction type thing that there was going to be, you know, hot when, Marie yeah. Antoinette sex, but it didn't happen. <laughs> That's disappointing. Yeah. Well, there's still a market for that, so... Yeah. Get on it. I know. <laughs> Carolyn and Gina are your market, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Please. We're Make waiting. This film. <laughs> yeah. There are still not enough Marie Antoinette movies mm. in my eyes. Oh, <laughs> agree. Full agree. <laughs> All right. Now we can talk about Disney. That was fun, though. I like that aside. <laughs> I knew you I knew you'd bring up the fact that she has studied the French Revolution and talk about it because it's so There was a time that I was obsessed with the French Revolution, <laughs> but most of it revolved around Marie Antoinette and me thinking, like, it was me being a teenager reading that she had no interest in her husband, and I was like, that makes sense. Why yeah. would she be interested in him? <laughs> and not fully understanding what that means, and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, she's this, you know. It, it it was, I think, after the first time I went to Versailles, and then the, mm, yeah. the obsession mm, yeah. started from there. I was That's 14. Great. Yeah. <laughs> We can talk about Disney, but I now really want to talk to you about the, if you saw the Versailles exhibit at the Met, which is now closed. It I, just closed. I didn't. Okay. Well, all right. Table that. Okay. <laughs> Maybe afterwards. How did I miss that? I don't, how did you miss that? I don't know. I don't know. I, I miss so many good things in, in New York. Just yeah. spending my time in basements with masturbators. <laughs> Comedy's great, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> With the poor ones who aren't even funny. Just yeah, the guys yeah. that violate women. <laughs> right. And are losers. Just all the half beards and their flannels jerking off everywhere, not doing anything good with bad jokes. Ugh. It's great. It's the worst. <laughs> I know. On the subject of that, Disney. Disney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. I feel like we need like birds chirping in the background. I know. We can edit something like that in. Yeah. <laughs> Get some little Disney effects in here. Uh so a little bit of, so Gina, what's your background as far as like your Disney fandom? Like how intense is it? Uh, it's real. So it's, it's real intense. Um, so 
two parts. Uh, number one, I am a 30-year-old millennial, which means I grew up smack in the middle of the Disney Renaissance. Mm-hmm. Um, so Disney Renaissance, so there are kind of three eras of Disney that we can talk about. Um, kind of classic Disney, Disney Renaissance, which we can like kind of bracket from The Little Mermaid to Mulan, which I think is probably where the three of us all grew up in-ish. Mm-hmm. And then kind of this third wave of Disney, which is kind of like Princess and the Frog, which was 2009 to now, which is like... This would make a great power PowerPoint. Frozen oh, yeah. So on the subject of PowerPoints, <laughs> this is the part two. <laughs> listen, listen, I'm going to Amy Santiago this shit for you. Yeah. Like, Any so Brooklyn Nine-Nine right now. fans out there? Because we literally have Amy Santiago here right now. Like, like literally. I mean, I did, every, did also here. everything but bring a binder, guys. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, we're, we're sad. Um, so but the part two of my fandom, in addition to growing up and being obsessed with it and like dressing up for Halloween and like knowing all the movies by heart and sitting in front of the television obsessively quoting all the dialogue, which my mother will happily tell you about, is that um, I, in graduate school in the said PhD program um, that I spent four years of my life in, four years I will never get back, um, I taught college freshmen, uh, re- freshman, the freshman writing comp class you guys all had to take that I'm sure you loved uh, dearly. <laughs> uh, I taught that and I got to design my own course and I taught Disney as a big part of that. Um, I taught a fairy tale feminist course and uh, Disney was a major component of of the text that I was teaching. So I, on the one hand, I am a huge like Disney fan myself and have this lifelong obsession, (laughs) (laughs) dot, dot, dot. Um, But at the same time, like I, I've spent a lot of time like teaching, thinking pretty critically about it and um, walking a lot of other people through their first exposure from, you know, like basically walking a lot of like 18 year old nubile hungover (laughs) freshmen (laughs) over from their like nostalgic, oh my God, I love the little mermaid to, oh my God, what do I do? Like their like, you know, existential crisis in my classroom of like, oh my God, this is, what do I do with the fact that this is total anti-feminist? Like she loses her voice. What does that mean? Like I've, you know, watched, I've watched the, They're all the, between the ages of fourteen and seventeen. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like I've I've watched the meltdown and then watched them like write the paper and build it back up and yeah. like come out the other side stronger. So yeah. you know that's that's what is my Disney fandom. That's that's what it is. Um, oh man, I yeah. feel like my sister would have skipped less classes in college <laughs> had there been a, a Disney class. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so basically that's, that's what it is. Um, but I also am that person who goes to see all the, see all the movies in the theater. I'm the grown up, like sitting there without a child, um, in the, yeah, in the matinee. So yeah, <laughs> super, super fun. So I'm, I'm stoked to be talking about it with y'all. Yeah. We're, I mean, I'm stoked to be talking about it. I've been going to Disney since, to Disney World since I was a, a little kid mm-hmm. and we went, Pretty frequently, um, because my uh, my mom worked for the official airlines of Disney for the time that they did have an official airline, oh, wow. so we oh, were able wow. to get in super cheap yeah. in Orlando. You know, we went on vacation wherever you could get like the cheapest hotel. Right. Was, like, mm-hmm. It was like, where do we have family, friends, or right. where the hotel's cheap? And if you don't stay on Disney property, Orlando has like a bevy of really cheap options for staying. Mm-hmm. Um, so we would go to to Disney a lot, and then you know, as an adult for a while, I had not gone and wasn't too interested in going. Um, didn't seem relevant to my mm-hmm. interests. And then I got a job in advertising where my client 
was a Disney vacation club. Oh. So then for, you know, three and a half years or so, I was living and breathing Disney every day. And it really put me back in that space where I, you can't work on the brand that much and not feel like very close to it and get like super into it because it's just like this whole universe and like kind of the more you know, the more fun it is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So what about you, Sarah? I just watched some some movies when I was a kid. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. (laughs) You didn't didn't get the um, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique? No, No, I did not. The Princess Makeover? Can you imagine? No. Uh, I was more of a, I don't know. I was a little rough around the edges. I was a bit of a tomboy. Um, I remember watching a lot of uh, Little Mermaid in particular, and then a lot of Beauty and the Beast. And then I didn't, I sort of missed... Certain movies. I missed Mulan somehow. I missed Mulan too. I watched that as an adult. Yeah, I watched mm-hmm. that. I've only seen it once actually, and I watched it when I was like 28 or 29. Yeah. Um, and I really, really loved it. I think that was actually maybe better that I mm-hmm. missed it when I was a kid and, and caught up with it as an adult. But uh, but yeah, like Little Mermaid was by far, I think, my favorite one. Lion King was a was like a repeat watch kind of on every day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I, I sort of as like a, a casual consumer of Disney, I guess, would be my past with it. Although now, like, as an adult looking back at some of the themes, I'm like, oh, yeah. oh this is this is kind of bad. Yeah. Speaking, but, speaking of Lion King, quickly, quick aside, mm-hmm. uh, Emma Willman's stand-up 15-minute mini-special mm-hmm. is up on Netflix, and she has a bit in it where she talks about how she had a big crush on Nala oh, <laughs> from the Lion King. That's so sweet. Oh yeah, that's God. great. <laughs> I love that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's fun to kind of examine like some of the sort of queer themes of Disney, which I think is what we're going to talk about right now. Yeah. Where so. do we even start? Yeah. Elsa? Yeah. yeah, I was actually, I was going to say, like, since you guys brought up Mulan, I think it's uh, oh. it's it's fun to, yeah, so, and, and Elsa, like, to talk about some characters who are, like, obviously Disney um, has not had, like, super explicitly gay character. There's actually only really been one gay character canonically in any of the films who gets a super, super fucking quick shot. And if it's like blink and you miss it. And it isn't Frozen. And it's not Elsa. Um, but if we're talking main characters, like who... Oh, it's it's the sauna guy. It's the sauna guy. It's yeah. Oaken. Yeah. yeah. And it's like you, you get this super quick shot to his family where it's very clearly his partner and their kids like oh. off to the side, it, but it's so fast. You j- it's, it's, so if you missed it, like y'all who are listening, like just go back and watch the scene where Anna's coming in and you'll see the aside in there when they're all in the sauna. And it's like very clearly a family shot, but like it's implied, it's not said, but that's the only gay character that Disney has featured. Mm-hmm. And then technically in the live action Beauty and the Beast. Yes. Yeah. Lefou. Towards the end with LeFou. <sighs> and yeah. that. But also I was researching and I didn't realize this or even think of it in Zootopia, um, which Ooh. I really enjoyed Zootopia. I love Zootopia. Um, Bucky and Pronk are her neighbors when she moves to Zootopia mm-hmm. and they're like really loud and like fight all the time. But People notice they have the same last name, um, Orinx Antlerson, and the co-director tweeted, they are a gay married couple, but they don't yell at each other because they're gay. They yell because they're real. Yeah. (laughs) That's cool. I mean, sure. But yeah. Like, that's all we get. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's... Yeah. You get some gay animals. 
Yeah. Yes. That's, um, oh, now I want to. Re- I, I also really liked Zootopia. Yeah. I totally missed that. Yeah. But we'll have to listen to hear what they're fighting about. But yeah. again, blink and you miss it moments. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like that's what these. Like none of these are actually like really fleshed out, developed characters. No. At all. But then if we're talking like main characters who we think are implicitly like legibly but implicitly queer, um, I feel like. Elsa and then Mulan are the most Mm -hmm. obvious candidates. So here's my problem with the whole Elsa thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, we finally have an adult female character Mm -hmm. and she doesn't have a romantic interest. So obviously she's a lesbian. And I'm like, that's kind of not fair to straight women who who just <laughs> aren't into any of these yeah dudes. i mean yeah. it, it'd be nice if she it'd be nice if she was queer but i'm like is this where where the bar is that mm. like oh mm. if you're if you're like you know more preoccupied with other things like dealing with your ice hands yeah uh, then <laughs> you know you must be uh like an icy dyke yeah <laughs> you're just this Bitter, bitter lesbian living on your your mountain <laughs> with your snow monster. Like it what? sounds fun to me. I was gonna say, I I think my counter I'll ca- counterpoint. Yeah, <laughs> with that um, is that I think that Moana and Merida from Moana and Brave are, are all other examples of princesses who are not interested in romance and don't have romantic interests. And but because they're so young, mm, that true. they were designed to be like non sexualized because That's they're true. yeah. Merida, the focus was the relationship between mm-hmm. her true. and the mom, and they didn't want to like muddy that with a romantic interest. True. And then, true. I think with Elsa, I, I, I'm definitely someone who reads her as as super queer, um, and part of it is I think part of like to is is because it's the whole hidden power that you're hi- like the hiding part of herself, and then yeah, quote unquote coming out, yeah, like it, that. It, that kind of narrative, I mean, think also even thinking about X-Men, like these kinds of movies tend to also be read as very like implicitly queer friendly because yeah. the narrative is a kind of direct parallel well, in Buffy, that sense. The Vampire and Slayer. Very... I've never seen Buffy. Do I get my lesbian card revoked? <laughs> the look it that is... I just got from Carolyn Bergier, like you brought another one into this fucking studio. <laughs> You're enough. <laughs> is, am I getting kicked off the podcast? She does like right now. Do you like Charmed? Let's. I'm gonna repair love, this relationship. Do you like Charmed, Carolyn? I do. I didn't watch. I didn't I watch Charmed, Charmed actually yeah, enough I as that, I should. I but I'm gonna, gonna watch the, the bridge. reboot because it's gonna be lesbian. So um, okay. I love Charmed. I I just I I I missed Buffy. I grew up super fundy religious. Like, yeah. Fundamentalist. Super. Yeah. So, yeah Fundam. Yeah. Like fundamentalist evangelical Christian. I know the lingo from past guests. Uh, yeah. Brig Arnold. <laughs> oh yeah 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 yeah. Um, growing up fundy. Um, yeah yeah. But and partly, you, get, you get a pass for that. I'm still yeah. I don't have an excuse. I grew up in a basically an atheist household, so I should have been all over Buffy. But all of the queer, the beautiful queer themes and and Buffy. It's okay. My dream is to get Jenny Owen Youngs on this podcast. Oh, my, oh buffering. Yeah. To, yeah, 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 yeah. She has a podcast called Buffering the Vampire. Oh. I mean, I'm oh, a huge. <laughs> I'm a huge uh, fan of her music. She's a musician. Mm-hmm. And um, her cover of Nelly's Hot in Here yes. is the best. It's my favorite. I love it. Best. It's so ever. good. Oh. Um, actually, qu- quick aside on Jenny Owen Young. So <laughs> I saw her years ago open for Regina Spector in Boston. Years ago. 
That is possibly the gayest thing. And I was so attracted to her while she was on stage. And I'm like, why am I so attracted to her? And she wasn't out at the time. Mm. And I like started following her music and like listening to the lyrics. I'm like, she's got to be a lesbian. Mm -hmm. It's, it's so queer. And you know, she eventually came out, but, Mm -hmm. um, that's great. Yeah. I just like immediately my, my gaydar just like, such a real thing. Berserk, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then years later, I ran into Regina Spector at La Poisson Rouge in line at the bathroom, and I was like, hey, you look a lot like Regina Spector. And she just, like, smiled and nodded. And I'm like, you are Regina Spector. Yeah. And yeah, in New York, if you run into somebody yeah. who looks like a person, they are that person. Yeah, I don't know why in my mind I thought, like, oh, but this wouldn't be Regina Spector, even though she looks exactly like her. Yeah. And I've, like, <laughs> seen her live several times and should know this. Right. Um, and, but I was like, I went to your, your show with Jenny Owen Young. Because <laughs> I, like, bring the lesbian to right, it all right. together. <laughs> why is it that we only run into famous people in bathrooms? Like, that's... Yeah. that's to- like in line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's that. My last famous person run in was in a bathroom. Who was it? Samira Wiley and her wife. <gasps> like I know, and I did not <sighs> recognize them. I was like, they look so familiar. And the friend who I was with, it was at the um, the net show at oh, the Soho nice. house, and I didn't recognize them. I was like, they look so familiar. And like her, I'm, why am I blanking on her wife's name? Lauren Morelli. Thank you, yeah. Lauren mm-hmm. Morelli. And I was like, you look so familiar in the bathroom. Like you're so pretty. And you look, and we're like applying our lipstick together. I was trying not to stare. I was just like, I know you from somewhere. Yeah. And I was thinking, I was like, have I worked with you? No, I just, just like spent hours looking at their wedding photos. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, that's, that's what it is. And I get, and I walk out of the bathroom and my friend's just like, was Samira Wiley. And yeah. like, oh, thank God I didn't say anything. Like, where do I know you from? Right. <laughs> yeah. That could have been real embarrassing. She's like, um, television, and, you like, idiot. <laughs> like, television, auto, like, auto straddle recaps. Like, yeah. I think the Martha Stewart all the wedding time, though, Because I think a lot of times you see celebrities and you're like, oh, this person's familiar. Mm-hmm. Did I work with them before? Did I, where did I run into them? And yeah. then it's like, they're probably on TV, but that's never your first thought. No. Like, when I saw the guy that, played Caputo on Orange is the New Black, I like went back to be like, to go, I was like, oh, I think I worked with that guy before. And I like turned around and he kind of gave me a, a, he he, like gave me a weird look. Oh yeah. The celebrity weird look of like, what are you looking at? Yeah. 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 That's great. I saw him on the F train. Yeah. I've seen like that entire cast in, I've seen many of them. Yeah. Like it's usually on the train. Yeah. They all live in Brooklyn. I they saw the one who, the yeah. one who doesn't really speak. I saw her on the train. We'll get back to Disney. I I do have one quick story one quick about aside. Samira. Yeah. Uh, past hiking out guest Veronica Garza mm-hmm. also ran into Samira Wiley once, but it was that they were at like some bar or something, and Samira and I I think she might have been with her wife at the time or a friend. I don't know. Um, and they like went outside or something like they walked away from, from this table and kind of like had empty drinks Mm -hmm. there, but nobody was there. So Veronica and her friends took the table, took the table. And then they came back and they're like, that's our table. And Veronica's like, no, it's not. <laughs> you walked away from it. Honestly, that's get this I would, table. I would say the same thing. Like, you know what, bitches in New York City, you're famous. I get it, but like, you walked away from an empty table at a bar. Yeah, it is my table no. now. Yeah, <laughs> Veronica like stood her ground. She's like, that, "That's sorry, great. This Good is my for her. table. I'm not. I'm not leaving. You can't oh just like love leave you, empty girl, drinks but on the table. Yeah, 
<laughs> There's just certain things we will not stand for as New Yorkers. Yeah. And that's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Veronica doesn't put up with anyone's yeah. bullshit. Good for her. <laughs> yeah. Back to Disney. All right. No. So, okay. So we're, we're basically a split table on whether or not Elsa is queer. I mean, like, no, I, I would like to think, I agree <laughs> that, that let it go and those themes right. and everything. Um, I can, I can totally see it. I just hate th- also that, you know, if a woman doesn't have a man, that that's immediately the, the label given. And also I feel like it's because Disney has given us so little and they've been so heteronormative mm-hmm. yeah. over the years um, that we do have to grasp at things like, oh, Lumiere and Cogsworth, we're totally gay, to, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and inanimate objects, Right, right. Sexuality. Animate objects or animals is like as yeah. close as we get. Right. Or animate objects. Yeah. Whatever. Right. But see, uh, I totally, I, I totally see that point yeah. and I totally appreciate it because you are, I mean, you are right in the sense that single women, single adult sexual women in Disney, they get to be villains. Yeah. That's what, that's mm-hmm. what their option is really. Yeah. Like that's the only representation, um, that they, that they have. Um, they don't just get to, ha- or, or they get to, yeah. That's it. Um, or they get to be widows. Like, you know, Tiana's mom um, has yeah. a life. Or like godmothers or caretakers. Or, or godmothers like or something. Like, yeah. Like they don't actually just get to be people. <laughs> um, yeah. And the and only such. one is 101 Dalmatians. Oh, well, no, she's not. Are you thinking? I of mean, they're, they're, they're married. Anita? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah, yeah. Anita and Roger. Are, yeah, love Roger's right. haircut, by the way. The Disney <laughs> Prince haircut. Yeah, I only date women with the Disney Prince haircut, like <laughs> exclusively. <laughs> prince Philip. Roger's not technically a Disney Prince, but like, no. yeah, yeah, like the swoop. Yeah, that's like just line all my exes up. And yeah, like, it's that. That's that's the cut. Um, it's it's solid. Um, but yeah, like Anita's married. Um, and even but in, Cruella Deville, she doesn't mm-hmm. get a love interest. No, she's just mm-hmm. this. You I know. love Cruella, by the way. <laughs> Like, yeah. so much. What a crazy bitch. She's crazy. Yeah. She's, <laughs> in, she's crazy. She's really committed to an aesthetic, though. Like the yeah. black and white and the Dalmatian. She's like, no, I just want a coat she, made of Dalmatian. She is a New York villain. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. She is straight up. Like, you could see her walking down, like, you know, Fifth she's Avenue like, or something. I was going to say, she's she's an Upper East Side villain, for but that sure. that took place in London, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. yes Which is weird, London. because I, I think she's clearly plucked from the Upper East yeah. Side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, she's she's a, she's brilliant, and I love her as a villain too. Because most of the Disney villains are um, for women. You know, they are stepmoms, they are like evil witches or whatnot. And Cruella is just like this straight up badass. Um, and even in the live the live version in the mid nineties with Glenn Close, they make her yeah. this like bitch on wheels career woman, yeah. which is such such a nineties villain to have. Yeah, um, like it's very much precursor to Devil Wears Prada. Yeah, you like do a lot mm-hmm. of the it a lot of the aesthetic work. Actually, I'm just like yeah. this is not dissimilar yeah. with what mm-hmm. they did here with yeah. a lot of the entrances. Actually, like I I recently may have gone back and watched Hundred One Dalmatians. I may have wanted to be a fashion designer in the mid nineties because of Hundred One Dalmatians because I love of it. Cruella. Like yeah. I don't know if taking my inspiration from someone who wanted to kill puppies was like a good <laughs> so if we go to your YouTube channel I'm going to find some like super cut of 101 Dalmatians yeah. and Devil Wears Prada of ba- all the parallels yes, basically um, <laughs> but actually this is so okay while we're on the topic of villains I think that queer Disney villains is an interesting like kind of route to go particularly yes. in the sense that villains when we talk about queer Disney villains um, they're really women don't 
like in as much as you're talking about how like kind of we, we might be grasping at straws a bit with yeah. the Disney heroes being queer, but like women in Disney who are villains don't get to really be queer. We don't ever read like mm-hmm. evil queen, Cruella, et cetera. We don't really read them as, you know, being queer characters. Whereas men who are villains are frequently read as queer. Yeah. Scar um, Jafar. Scar Jafar. Like even Hades, Hades. from uh, Hercules. Yeah. Um, King Candy from Wreck-It Ralph. Um, I am now like I mean Ursula is the closest we get but even she's based on a drag queen like she which is an interesting kind of juxtaposition of like having a woman villain who's based on you know like, yeah dr- like divine from yeah. the late 70s um so this is a like why do but kind of why are men coded in this way like in this very like effeminate you know why why are we reading queer characteristics in this like negative villainous way, etc. Um I have other things to say on that, but you look like Oh no, no, tell me. I'm like I'm like, why? No, no, so it's it's to me it's interesting too, because there's kind of the question of like whether Disney villains are gay or whether they're coded as queer, like which is uh seem to be two two separate questions, right? Because like we sure. are giving them a lot of not we, like Disney gives them a lot of characteristics that are queer, right? Like they give them the well like the capes they they give them the capes they give them they give them the fancy like the fancy outfits they give like like Ratcliffe and Pocahontas gets the pink Uh, bows in his hair and like the tiny dog who he's obsessed with yes and like Jafar gets like and and characters like Jafar and Scar get this very um sibilant and elongated and like very sensual way of speaking and whatnot and like Hades gets the little like fucking Cosmo mark like glass that he's carrying around everywhere and like the hand gestures Mm -hmm. and just these um like these qualities that are very easy to uh, associate stereotypically with gay men and specifically off- often like with more effeminate or effete like, yeah. you know, gay men. Um, but then on top of that, we label them um, as like being villainous or as being morally bankrupt. And so then we associate those things together when it's like, so are these characters actually gay? Does that, you know, matter or not or are we just coding these characteristics in a strongly negative way to read like them in that particular fashion did that make sense yes yeah okay yeah (laughs) (laughs) so I'm like in I'm slightly in teacher mode right now um but like so it's really interesting to me to consider the conversations around like Disney villains and like claiming them for the community. Cause on the one hand, of course I want queer villains. Yeah. Of course I want us to have bad guys. Like I don't just want to have like, but it's that tension of like, yes, I want us to have heroes. I also want us to have very complex villains. Um, but we haven't really received either. And what we have received, especially with Disney, like I think that it, there's a very strong case to be made, like, of having of Disney just throwing of basically throwing as many like queer stereotypes at the wall as will stick with <laughs> especially with the Renaissance like Renaissance characters like yeah. everyone is very clearly just like super stereotypically queer yeah um, especially with the men like like you said like Jafar um, Scar Ratcliffe from po- if you go back and watch Pocahontas if you can stand it it's super whitewashed it's real problem that it's one made real me problematic. so angry at the time yeah it's it's real rough um, yeah. but it, but Rack if you, or even if you just watch some of like Ratcliffe who's the the villain his songs the way like his distaste for masculine labor he's the like overseer basically of yeah. the like mm-hmm. Englishmen who go over um, to set up the colony basically in the you know new world quote unquote um, he is straight 
beat up out like English aristocracy, like has a servant boy, has the time, like just, he is coded so queer. He looks like something that walked out of the village. Like Mm -hmm. it's just, just, it's just stressing how a lot of them have these like much male, they do this. these like dedicated male sidekicks though. Like if you look at Gaston and LeFou Le mm-hmm. and um, you know Captain Hook and Smee, mm, that's yeah. I feel yeah. like like Smee's definitely gay for you know all yeah. the pirates are like wanting to tie up women and yeah. whatever, and then yeah. Smee's just like, what do you need, Captain Hook? Yeah. Yeah, they have like very accommodating, very homoerotic relationships. Yeah. And even the fact that like be- the live action Beauty and the Beast decided to make LeFou gay. Yeah. Explicit and like in love with Gaston. Like that's that's a little upsetting. That's a very emotionally exploitative relationship. Yeah. And again, not to say that we don't have those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like people are people. People yeah. are problematic and complex. And like, you know, gay people get into fucked up relationships too. Like yeah. so, mm-hmm. you know, like we're not. Uh, but again, like when that's the only thing like how responsible is it that they're you know that Disney is doing this I think the TLDR here is that Disney's not making responsible choices when it comes to the LGBT (laughs) community like that's just that could be this whole thing wrapped up um but uh it's really for a company that is on the one hand like has these LGBT nights for the theme park and that has so many LGBT people working for them like I have a number of um like LGBT classmates from my fucking podunk high school in wisconsin who are down in orlando like working at the parks and like working on the cruise ships like who are now out who were not necessarily out then um yeah. like for a company that is on the one hand so mm, you know that yeah <laughs> the lack of um interest in actual representation, which I think kind of, come, again, comes back to a lot of what they are uh, purporting to be safeguarding for America's children, mm-hmm. which is its own conversation as well, like around what they think is family, quote unquote, family friendly. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why, so. uh, I mean, Disney owns ABC and ABC Family for a while got very queer, um, especially with Pretty Little Liars that oh, just yeah. had like lesbians coming and dying mm-hmm. and uh, every other week. And <laughs> um, and then they changed the name of the channel to, to Freeform because it got so queer that they felt like the, I mean, I don't know the official PR release on mm-hmm. it, but that Freeform was a better representation of it and taking away that family label because a lot of um, conservatives, I think, were like, this is supposed to be ABC Family and there's these homosexuals on it. And, yeah, uh, oh, because family somehow excludes us. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which is, the, that's the message. That yeah. was the message, even though the great thing about ABC Family shows is they try to represent like so many diverse forms of murderers. And right. Right. <laughs> 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 No, they, uh, I mean, they have, they represent like people with disabilities Mm -hmm. and, um, they, you know, they're, they're trying, yeah, Uh, Yeah. trying to get a lot of different stories and they have the, the fosters, um, oh yeah, the the lesbian moms. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it got very queer. Um, and, and now it's free form. Um, but yeah, um, I have a theory about why gay people are so into Disney or why it has like a really big following. Yeah. And it, I think it has more to do with the parks specifically mm-hmm. is that a lot of gay people, especially men, um, if they went to Disney when they were growing up, a lot of times it was like their happy place. 
And it's this weird nostalgia for a time when like maybe um, it was okay for them to be like excited in this kind of like environment Mm -hmm. where they were allowed to feel like they could maybe be themselves a little bit more. And typically when you go there, your like families, they kind of fight less. Everybody kind of gets along a little bit better and whatever Mm -hmm. trauma you have, it just takes you into the, this other space. Mm -hmm. So when you're older, a lot of your happiest memories are at Disney at this like environment that has been designed and built to make you happy to Mm -hmm. be, to live up to the happiest place on earth. So when you're someone who's gone through a lot of trauma, um, chances are it won't be related to your experiences at Disney World, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And then going back there puts you back mm-hmm. in that happy place. Yeah. And yeah. at least for, for people that I know, um, gay and not gay, I think that that's part of the, the draw. That makes, total, disagree. That makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Like Disney is, is built, I mean, nostalgia is, the, the brand is nostalgia, mm-hmm. like, for especially, and again, like, generationally, as people grow up going to Disney, take their kids to Disney. Like, it's a, it's a generational cycle. And even in Disney scholarship, like, kind of coming at it from an academic perspective, something a lot of people have to own, um, something that a lot of people who I read have to own, that I have to own, like, when I was still teaching it, was, yes, we can be critical, but also we have to acknowledge that we're approaching this through the lens of people people who have been con- like socially conditioned to basically to love this. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like this is the shared cultural mythology that so many of us have. Yeah. Like, re- like even though we are, you know, again, speaking to the three of us in this room and maybe to a, a lot of, a lot of folks around, like we grew up in the U S like this is a very, um, you know, it's a very Western country. Like let's not make too many assumptions, but like certainly the U S is built on a lot of like Judeo Christian stuff, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but not making too many assumptions about religion or whatnot. Like Disney is certainly something that's baked into, um, a, like childhood. Yeah. Um, and that a lot of people share and that a lot of people that informs a lot of our, like, you know, parties and a lot of our conversations as kids and a lot of our playtime. Yeah. Like there are sociological and psychological studies about how Disney informs play on yeah. a playground mm-hmm. in play dates, like things like that. Um, like this is a, just something that is baked into our psychology, especially po- like mil- post-millennial, like Little Mermaid, uh, you know, post-Little Mermaid generation, yeah. um, whatnot. So it's like how we can be critical, but also it's, it's a lens that we all have mm-hmm. and that nostalgia that you're talking about, like of this being a safe place from trauma, it, you know, ish, like is he, huge, yeah. I think, like, and is really powerful. Yeah. Um, and, but then also the question of like, how are these stories that are so heteronormative yeah. and that so privilege like romance and marriage and very like traditional storylines at the end of the day, like how it like as queer people who are often shut off from those things, or even if, you know, like even if you know marriage or kids or whatnot, like are things that we, you know, some of us want, like how do we approach these stories and these like narratives and how do we maybe introduce our children or children who we love to them in thoughtful ways that like yeah. <laughs> allow for the complexity of an experience or of gender expression, which is like something that, you know, I think that Mulan is actually very thoughtful about, but yeah. that is not necessarily baked into how um, the company like itself packages the the film like for sure um, so yeah like it's a very it, it's a very challenge like i think the relationship to disney is a very challenging one 
to to navigate. Like, cause just shutting off, um, just shutting yourself off from Disney is certainly possible as an adult. But if you have children in your life, it's going to be super hard, just yeah. super, super hard. Like whether those are nieces or nephews or, or children or, um, is there a, what's the, um, nibbling? Is that the gender neutral term for niece and nephew? I don't. Probably. Um, oh, I don't, I've never heard that. I, I've never thought I, of that. I, I feel like I've tried. Yeah. I've read, nibbling. Like, like uh, listeners, if you know the gender neutral term, please send it to the oh, email. They will. They already did. They just did. <laughs> because. I, I feel like I've, I've read this, but I, I can't think of it off the top of my head. Um, Got it. If I called my nephews my nibblings, my sister would roll her eyes so hard out of her head. Roll out of her head. Yeah. 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 But I don't, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I try to think about the, the relationship. Yeah. Just like the relationship. Um, yeah. Cause like, so you have nephews. Yeah. Sarah. Yeah. I have a niece and two nephews. Um, my niece is particularly fond of, well, she, she would probably still, you know how kids like they're, they're obsessed with something and then they're over it. Yeah. But I, she was very, very, very into frozen, um, for like a sustained, like a couple years, which is like, that's a quarter of her life. So like yeah. that's, you know, <laughs> uh, it was a long time yeah. for her, but I remember, uh, I, so I've only actually watched that movie for full, you know, fully one time. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I saw it in the theater, but then I've seen, uh, the the you know the musical numbers i've literally watched the one youtube clip of let it go on our tv a thousand times and yeah. she would sing it and she was really into it and everything but i don't know i would actually i should have asked my sister before this how much she's watched of the ones that we've kind of talked about today like the little mermaids and yeah. lion king and pocahontas I mean, and things like really that really young kids don't seem to be as interested in that anymore i don't think just with like the new style of animation right like 2d is like so i don't yeah. even know if they yeah. have any 2d favorite movies i think mm. it's all I, yeah, know, I, tried, animation. I tried putting on the older movies for my nephew and he was not interested oh, whatsoever wow. um I always found that the the movies and I still it still kind of rings true because now Coco is my my mm. new favorite but the, the movies that Apple. don't have a um that don't center around like a heteronormative love interest are usually mm-hmm. like like I really enjoyed Moana mm-hmm. I really liked Up um oh, I also you don't like Up No I do but it the just first 10 cry. minutes fucking laid right. me out like yeah. I could not deal with that Yeah I, I liked Up a lot, and as a kid, I loved Alice in Wonderland because I'm like, here's this yes. badass girl going on these adventures, yes. and like, nothing makes sense, and everything's weird, and she's, she just keeps going for it. I loved qu- Alice in Wonderland. So queer. Well, speaking of a queer yeah. character, the Mad Hatter is like... Oh. Yeah. It, well, I mean, I'm also considering Johnny Depp's interpretation of him, which I thought was actually kind of fun. Um, but yeah, like yeah. I, that Her- character to me was like... Was an interesting one. I'm ready to come over the table at you for mentioning Johnny. Depp. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just saying, like he he did have a way of like he's the most fucked up person ever. But I liked his sort of the flamboyant kind. Of, you didn't like it. I didn't like it because I it was too much of. I felt like he had. I didn't like his Willy Wonka, and I felt like the Mad Hatter was just like a variation of his Willy Wonka. Yeah, mm, true. Um, yeah, I hadn't which, really considered that. You know, how much range can someone really have between Willy Wonka and Mad Hatter? Well, you know, from like what I've read, hat, he doesn't even read weirdos. his scripts. He just like has his lines fed to him. So I don't think he's putting that much effort into uh, making his characters that different. He kind of found one trick and stuck with it. So yeah, whatever. It made him a lot of money. Good for him. But yeah, he's just stuck to Edward's hands. He, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, actually, I, I have not seen that movie. Uh, 
Isn't that crazy? I haven't seen it either, but I will not see it now because I nah, yeah. no. I hate him now. Gotta see it. It's okay. So okay. <laughs> That's our free pass okay. Johnny Depp movie. Yeah. All right. That's fine. It is. I can't. I can't. I can't. I, I, mm, mm, mm. I, mm. I will also say What's Eating Gilbert Grape is a great movie. Okay, yes. Only because a, I love Mary Steenburgen. <laughs> that, that is, okay, yes, that yeah. is a great movie. That is true. And it's um, young Leo DiCaprio. I do love him. Yes, yeah. yeah. Oh, young Leo. Just oh. before he became the cutest lesbian ever for the first 10 he years of his career. is the cutest lesbian yeah, before ever. Before he ruined Titanic. Yeah. Just <laughs> terrible acting. <laughs> but how do you really feel, Carolyn? <laughs> how do you put Leonardo DiCaprio with Kate Winslet? Oh, she was way too much woman for him. Goddess. Way too much woman. Too yeah, that's why woman. he died. And yeah. Great, yeah. Right? He was like, I can't handle her. She's too good for me. You deserve yeah. better. He's like, you get the whole door. That was you how get you... the whole door. I don't deserve any of this yeah. door. I'm just yeah. going to stay in That's the how you ghosted water. back then. You sank, <laughs> sank into the freezing ocean. Yeah. I was like, everyone in the theater is crying. I'm like, bye, boy. Yeah. I know. God. Kate Winslet was so hot in that movie. That was like, an I hope early. That was an early on-screen thing where I, I was like, "Oh, what's that feeling in my in my loins?" Like I was, <laughs> when, I was like when thirteen, he was and drawing I was like, her like one of his French girls. Yes, was I was that? obsessed with Kate Winslet, and still yeah. am, frankly. But yeah, yeah. Listen, I mean, she's only gotten better looking over the years. Yes, for sure, hardcore. Yeah, oh, um, but I anyway, love it when a woman ages naturally. I know. <laughs> Whoa. Is yeah. <laughs> that a weird statement? No, really, seriously. I love natural I mean, aging. I love so... when you get older and your face doesn't get weird. Yeah. Like, I mean, the Kate's generally, though. Kate Blanchett. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> listen. Listen, who also continues to get queerer. The, the windows by the in year. the studio are currently fogging up, much like that it's, car in yeah. Titanic. Hands are going up, guy. Yeah. Like, it's it's, it's going to be a situation in here. Like, uh, safe word Disney. Yeah. Disney. <laughs> Oh, that's great. oh my goodness! <laughs> that's the lesbian baseball. Yeah. <laughs> baseball. I will. I will say the one thing that makes me kind of sad about the topic of this being Disney is that my favorite princess, um, who is not a Disney princess, is Fiona from Shrek. Um, mm. oh. And it's a DreamWorks that film, is DreamWorks. right? Because DreamWorks was like simultaneously. Get out of here with that talk. <laughs> I know. Shrek. I know. Because DreamWorks was making um, like in the you know late '90s, early aughts, they were making a very concerted effort to compete with Disney. So yeah. they, like the Prince of Egypt was, I think, and actually I think stands, I mean, very problematic for its own reasons, um, namely and how like all the religious groups like just came for them so hard. Yeah. Like Christians came for them, Jews came for them, like et cetera. So please no hate mail based on what I'm <laughs> saying right now about this. Um, but uh, yeah, Prince of Egypt, uh, beautiful Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston did the music. It was that was the beautiful. I will believe like yeah. yeah or if you believe something like that was the song. Oh, so beautiful. Um but uh Shrek, yeah, also Dreamworks. And um like I think it was a super and then the whole Shrek um, you know, canon if you got I mean there're way too many Shrek films, but Shrek 1 yeah. and 2 I think were super thoughtful just satire send-ups of mm. the whole princess concept before yeah. Disney had even really cohered the princesses as a brand. Yeah. Like they were being super critical of the whole like heteronormative marriage plot. Like it was so smart. And Fiona is such a badass and Shrek yeah. is just this big lovable doofus of a person. Like I love him, but he's like it, it is totally a case of marry up and yeah. like <laughs> she is smarter and like savvier and he is just a fucking curmudgeon of a guy and it, they just, you know, they just work and it's really great and I adore them and it's a 
shame that Disney never quite got its like head out of its ass enough to actually do that. But it also raises their first. Yeah. yeah, But it also raises the question of like how, you know, Disney is also so entrenched as a corporation and an organization. Like how much can they actually do that to themselves? Yeah. Right. Like they can't like, of course, like they, like how much can, so people also being like, Oh, Disney needs to be more queer. Disney needs to be more feminist. Disney is like well, Disney encompasses so much more than these movies. Like, yeah, doesn't Disney own like ESPN? I think or like yeah, oh yeah, like they they own all the networks that fall under. They're 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 a a huge umbrella, and a lot of things fall under them. So you have to sort of talk. You can talk about Disney as a corporation or compartmentalize part of it. A lot about Disney. Yeah, Yeah. and like just they're just they're so big. They're this like just huge meta, you know, entity. Mm -hmm. Like that, and the idea of them culturally is so mammoth that like how much can they actually? criticize themselves we're not going to get into Foucault here right now y'all like we're not going to get into some super theoretical shit but like how much can they actually like they're like a structure of power like how much can they actually you know Mm -hmm. do to critique themselves that not not that much so they're just going to keep doing their own Disney ass thing and other other people like DreamWorks well not DreamWorks anymore but like other things and not even Pixar because now they're fucking collaborating they're ruining pixar oh really well because they did they carolyn you would probably know this did they buy pixar what's the story with that because like they're now collaborating with pixar right like it's moana it's other films like that it's both coco it's both fully they fully bought and like integrated well they fully (sighs) bought pixar but there there are some movies that are clearly pixar studios like they didn't Mm -hmm. kill pixar studios but it's just under But then there are other movies that are it's terrible that are Disney and that aren't Pixar. Yeah, like Frozen is Disney, okay. but Moana yeah. and Coco are Pixar. Wait, no, no, Moana's, Moana's Disney. Disney. You're right. Coco's Pixar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's so sad. Um, I don't know any of those. And then and then Marvel, but like you said, like yeah. Marvel is Marvel, but Marvel's owned by Disney. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They just own everything. Going back They're to just- Shrek, it just kind of reminded me. Part of the reason why I don't think I liked it as much was because um, Cameron Diaz was my Anne Hathaway. Oh, really? <laughs> Wait, what is? Sarah knows what that means, but I don't know what that means. <laughs> I just irrationally disliked Cameron yeah. Diaz. <laughs> okay, just irrational dislike. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Up until very recently, I was I have I had a very very irrational dislike for Anne Hathaway, and then but I just had to like amazing. splash water on my face and get over it. I was like, wait a minute. Have you seen Ocean's Eight? No, I no, haven't. I oh meant to. I God. know. Yeah. What's wrong with you? I know. Do you know how queer that town, movie is? Yeah. I was out of town when it came out. I was so excited about seeing it. And then I had a lot going on and just kind of didn't it's, make it'll it be out. Streaming Have in you a not few seen days. it either? I haven't. No. I thought I was I'm going to. I'm sitting in a I was studio like, with two lesbians who <laughs> have not seen Ocean's 8. I know. Well, <laughs> it's bad. Yeah. We're not proud of it. <laughs> no, we're not. I mean, we, oh we like tweeted about it and we're... Yeah. Hyping it up on social media. And then we just didn't do it. And didn't do it. Y'all, the the erotic tension between Kate Blanchett and literally every woman in that movie. (laughs) That's, I would expect no less than that. Um, The way she butch sits in this movie is so exquisite. Like at any given point, there is a solid like two rulers worth of space between her knees. When she's sitting. When she's, yeah. It's the butch, y'all know what I mean by the butch sit. Like it's, you know, like. When butch and androgynous and masculine of center uh, women and people just like sit and they're like, you know, just there's enough space that you could mm-hmm. fit and just, yeah, you know, yeah, it's great. It's yeah. really hot. <laughs> and <laughs> Kate Blanchett is uniformly sitting like that. 
in every scene. I lost my mind. I was like, gro- <laughs> I was groaning in the theater audibly. Yeah. And the friends who I was with luckily were other queers. And they were like, Gina, fucking get your shit together. Like lock <laughs> it up. Like you cannot have an orgasm on the seat <laughs> while watching this movie. It's probably why it's best that I wait for it to come out at home. <laughs> also, that's what happens when you exclusively wear suits for three years. Yeah. You develop the butch, the butch, <laughs> the set. butch set. Yeah, the butch set. <laughs> Listen. Listen. I've only seen Kate Blanchett in a suit for three years. That's what happened true. to her dresses? She I actually, don't care. She actually yeah. did just wear a really stunning dress that's kind of clearly taking inspiration from this famous John Singer Sargent painting to oh. fuck what's the event. I don't even know what the event is, but it's blowing up on Twitter and she looks real, real beautiful. But it's like a very low, like... It's like a V all the way down to her belly button type situation. Mm, okay. I'll take it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I guess I'll give her a pass on that. Like, Kate Blanchett is like my <laughs> – she's like all five of my freebie celebrity slots. Yeah. Like, they're all Kate They're Blanchett. all Kate Blanchett. Spoiler alert. It's I, only Kate Blanchett. I came around so hard on Anne Hathaway. So I also like a little bit did not like her at first. And then the – uh, fucking Les Mis, um, when she was promoting it, the whole thing where somebody violated her by taking a upskirt photo mm. and publishing it. And then oh. she had that interview with Matt Lauer and she fucking owned him being a fucking creepy ass. It, mm-hmm. It's the most disgusting interview and she handles it with so much class. And it's like my heart went out to her so hard to mm-hmm. imagine like going out to promote this movie and everybody wants to be like, what did you learn yeah. You know, after you were violated, like, shame on you for not wearing underwear with that dress, um, uh, rather than, like, uh, what? Yeah. why are these fucking people shoving cameras up the, the skirts of, of women? Like, oh, this other guy had to give a spanking, too, on social media for saying <laughs> Britney flashed her vag. I was like, she did not flash her vag. She was fucking violated. She was right. coming out of a car, and someone's kneeling down crotch level to yeah. try to oh. get an upset picture for of that, her. for that angle, and yeah. And then they publish it and release it, and it's, oh, I can't imagine what that must feel like. And then to be like, oh, now I have to do 20 interviews a day yeah. because my movie's coming more right. than 20. Like, these press circuits are brutal. Oh, yeah. So to send her out like that. So so she won me over there. But then when she was Catwoman, god damn. I, I mean, didn't think... Yeah. Like yeah. The, I was into that. The wardrobe wasn't great because nothing's going to be Michelle Pfeiffer right. and her Catwoman get up. Um, but the way she played the character was so perfect Catwoman. Yeah. And when she, Selena Kyle was that the character's name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then when that she does that, like turn on the beginning when she has the act between being the the maid uh-huh. and then the Selena comes out. And I know you're like, precisely the scene. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh my god, I I lost it. I, I was like, I'm I'm yours forever, Anne Hathaway. You yeah, have. I like her. Yeah, and she's like just kind of uh, just personally the things that she posts on social media and things like that are pretty. Oh, you know, she's a very aware person. I don't want to use the word woke, but... She went to college with my cousin, and um, apparently, as the story goes, maybe she was a little bit interested in him, but he was dating someone else at the time who's Mm -hmm. now his wife. So after hearing that, and that was, you know, from my uncle, his father. Mm -hmm. So I don't even know if my cousin was ever like, oh, yeah, Anne Hathaway was kind of into me, but I was seeing someone else. It could have been my uncle projecting this, Mm -hmm. but now my mom refers to Anne Hathaway as, oh, she could have been your cousin. Oh, my God. 
That's the most mom like, thing. It's yeah. the most like Such removed thing. thing. It's, it's like so like moms will take the tiniest thing that happened years right? ago and it's extrapolate like Regina it Spector could have been my wife. Yeah, exactly. She was in line with me at the bathroom. Like that's how much yeah. of a thing it was. Uh, it's not like my cousin and Anne were like friends who right. kept in touch. They didn't or like anything. date for two years and then break no. up. And they then maybe she, went like, to like an actress. The three of the same parties. And yeah, that was probably the extent of it. Uh, That's great. So anyway, we should move on to our listener question now that we've totally <laughs> careened off topic. Yeah. Uh, That's okay. Um, our listener question this week. I recently started online dating again after taking a break and I'm reminded of one of the reasons it's so frustrating. Mm. Here's my question. Why don't women like to message first for straight women? I kind of get it. Society, gender norms, blah. You're right. There's a lot of blah there for straight women. Uh, I guess that carries over a bit for bisexual women as well. But for women dating mostly women, I don't really get it. Uh, I don't mind messaging first. I usually do actually. It's just kind of tiring sometimes. There's so much reluctance around it. Why, why, why? Oh, God. Online dating. I remember those days. I don't, but. Yeah. Uh, I don't, it just, the whole like who messages first thing, I think it, obviously, yes, that she's right. There's a lot of like gender norm stuff that is involved in that. But at some point you just have to like, just fucking do it. Like it doesn't, it's not like a, I think within our community, it's often seen as like a, um, uh, like an indicator of like the more dominant person in the relationship. Yeah. Especially for maybe like, f- you know, feminine women who are attracted to more androgynous or masculine women that it's sort of seen, at least from the perspective of a woman who is androgynous and, you know, yeah, masculine of center, I guess. Um, that it, I always kind of feel like it was my thing to message first, but as I've, gotten older I don't think that that's necessarily the case like yeah I don't know that that's I'm always the one to do that first but I never felt like I had to be the one to do it it just sort of fell naturally in that way but yeah I mean that that is going to be frustrating in online dating if you're a woman dating other women but you might just have to be the one to message first like I don't know what to tell you it's like it's this weird standoff of like yeah you know you match somehow or depending on the the app, I don't know how the, the apps vehicle, work now. Yeah. Like if it if it tells you if someone looked at your you know or there's like if there's a way to indicate I mean, that you're Tinder, interested. You only match if you both swipe right on each other. Right. And then yep. it's like who messages the other one. First. Or I think on OKCupid at least years ago, last time I was on it, it was like you could you had the option of like clicking like a some little symbol that like let them know. Yeah. It was like a like symbol basically or some some stupid thing like that. Yeah. But but yeah, like if it it's gonna be just this weird standoff if you're both obviously in a position where you at least found each other's profiles attractive yeah. if someone just doesn't make the first move. It, it, to me, it, like that first message thing isn't necessarily, doesn't really, it, it feels like a bigger deal than it is. Once yeah. it's over, it's over. And if a conversation comes from that, then that's what you need to kind of focus on. I wouldn't fixate too much about who starts it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's people don't like to start it because they just don't want to feel rejection in any way. Right. Like, oh my gosh, if I, you know, just going back to like middle school days, if I write this note and pass yeah. it to this. But then also, like, person. what's the worst thing that happens? Someone just doesn't respond to you? Yeah. You know, the, you know it. I mean, this would have been more helpful, listener, if you gave us your your handles and let us know what apps you were on, and then we could just advertise you. So yeah, like, <laughs> message this woman first. Yeah, She's- I think we definitely have a future in that. With uh, with we could oh. do some sort of like matchmaking some offshoot kind of, kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. There's a potential guest who is a yes, lesbian matchmaker. We will get to that for sure. Yes. Um, um, 
<laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't, it sucks. I know like Gina, do you message first? It's a numbers game and you yeah. have nothing to lose. Um, and kind of to counter Sarah's point, um, because I am a femme woman who dates um, like androgynous and mask and butch women. And I have absolutely no qualms about messaging first. Would I prefer to be messaged first? Sure. But it's, like there's nothing to lose. So why not just bite the bullet and do it? And um, I end up messaging first a lot because um, I have no patience. And (laughs) (laughs) it's like, if they message back, they do. And if they don't, they don't. Like it's no water off my back. It's absolutely not a reflection on you, um, Mm -hmm. whatever they choose to. And like, this is all really just timing and like two people being in the right place at the right time. And so like, I know that it's, it's exhausting to kind of keep putting yourself out there, but like, just, you know, well, maybe this is like literally it's a, to my mind, it's literally just, you have nothing to lose by doing it. So So this is more for the other listeners out there. If you're one of these ladies on these apps and you're never messaging, you know, maybe time to step up your part. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be a pillow princess when it comes to messaging. (laughs) That's it. That's perfect. Yeah. You might have to do a little work, all right? Yeah. <laughs> For once. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Gina, where can people find you on social media and read your writings and buy you can, your underwear? <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Gina Cadlick, J-E-A-N-N-A-K-A-D-L-E-C. Twitter is definitely where I'm most active. And then my lingerie store is bluestockingsboutique.com. Nice. Thank you so much for digging out with us. Uh, we really had a lot of fun talking yeah. about Disney. And then for us, you know that you can follow us uh, at Diking Out. As uh, we were saying, um, your emails have been giving us life. Please continue be, sending them. Please send them. Share your stories. They are so wonderful. Our listeners are just the the very best. You're all wonderful. Some of you are weird, but we love that too. Yep, we do. Uh, love the weirdness. And uh, Patreon dot com slash diking out also by now uh four months after we said we would do it there is a lord of the lesbians shirt on t public fantastic uh, that we'll be promoting if you want a shirt yeah that has a drawing of ellen DeGeneres and says lord of the lesbians uh i mean who doesn't want that yeah in honor <laughs> of samira wiley's awesome uh quote and oh um, when you're listening to this, I'm going to be in London uh, this week. So if you're a London listener, come out to my shows. Go to cbcomedy.com. The details are there. I'm performing just one show Wednesday and one show Thursday. I don't want to stress myself out too much with trying to do like three spots in one night mm-hmm. in a city I've never been to before. But <laughs> that way uh, we can hang and talk after my set. So That's great. come say hi. I don't bite. Unless you ask. <laughs> Just kidding, I'm married. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's a good way to end it. Yeah. Okay. Bye. bye. <laughs> probably heard the name Mary, Queen of Scots, and maybe you know the importance of her legacy to the British monarchy, but how much do you know about her life and what she was really like? For instance, did you know that she preferred to have her eggs scrambled, or that giving gifts was her love language? In my podcast, Vulgar History, we'll be talking about all that and more during an eight-part miniseries about the fascinating life of Mary, Queen of Scots. Vulgar History is a feminist women's history comedy podcast where we don't shy away from the messy, complicated lives of women from the olden times. 
Particularly with women in history, it's easier to use broad strokes to portray who they were. And it's like we forget they probably also had messy lives, complicated relationships, and maybe things weren't as black and white as they might seem in a textbook. But I'm dedicated to sharing the sides of the stories we don't always hear, and each episode is supported by rigorous historical research. Turns out there's really something about Mary Queen of Scots. So be sure to turn into my series about Mary Queen of Scots and check out the other incredible women I've talked about while you're there. You can listen and subscribe to Vulgar History wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at vulgarhistory.com.